0: You, saints. Welcome into the house of the Lord once again. Nice to have all of you here with us. Amen. our brother, Jean, is going to come and speak to us tonight, which you've come expecting. Amen. We just want the Lord to have his way. So let's sing this together. Once my soul was astray, but he reached down his hand for me. Aren't you so grateful? Amen. Oh, once my soul was astray. presence of a living God, saints. Know that He's mindful of us. Brother Ray, If so could I ask you to come, please, if you would open the service for it? I'd appreciate that. Amen. We don't have any written prayer requests. We know there are many needs we've been remembering over the weeks. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, if you would just lift that up before Him. Let's pray for strength for our pastor and for Sister Ruth that God would be with them. Amen. Soldiers, come towards the end of their journey. We desire God would bless them and pour virtue and strength into their bodies. I've just been pondering over my own mind in my life and the years that I was privileged to have with Brother Ed and I'm just so grateful and for the friendship and the leadership and the life we had so let's remember him tonight and Sister Ruth that God would just strengthen them and then Brother Ray would you please come
1: Gracious Heavenly Father we want to thank you once again bringing us into the house of prayer what a solemn privilege it is Lord in this closing days of time for us to be identified with what you are doing Lord in this end time we are just so eternally thankful for opening up our eyes of understanding Lord helping us to perceive and see the very supernatural acts that you're doing in this end time Lord thank you for stretching that great vast that separated us from you now Lord we can just look up from whence our redemption comes from Lord and realize what you're doing in our lives each and every day tonight we come with thankful hearts tonight we come with uplifted hands Lord, to just recognize the mighty God who has been unveiled amongst us. Taking this opportunity to appreciate you for each and every son and predestinated daughter of God that you have brought into this house today. Those that are streaming by the way of the internet, Lord. Indeed, Lord, we also just want to just thank you for each and every one of their lives. Precious Savior, We just want to tell you how much we love you tonight. We are glad and delighted to call you our Father. We are glad and delighted, Lord Jesus, that you have made us joint heirs with you to behold these precious truths, O God, where we don't see you through glass darkly as it were, but, Lord, we can see you mightily unveiled before us see you clearly through that precious shed blood of the lamb thank you for your presence that's already we are feeling in our hearts Lord your nearness we appreciate you for this place that has been so long dedicated Lord to be a house that we can come in and lay aside every burden and just look at you the author and finisher of our faith. Even as there is this burden upon the house today, to pray for our dear brother Bisco tonight, sister Ruth, Lord, what a privilege it is to have recognized and for us to have beheld such a gift, Lord. Therefore, as it has oftentimes been prayed, May you pour back strength, virtue for service as the man of God is sitting back probably reminiscing many, many years where you've walked with him, oh God. May you just come and take a closer walk even with him at this particular moment in time to recognize your nearness, Lord, realizing that, Father, truly you are the same God who started with him Even in the twilight of years, you're still the same. Yesterday, even tonight, and forevermore. We thank you for the ministry that you've placed in this place. Thank you for the continuity of the word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've still placed men that are faithful, Lord, until the very end. To uphold these precious promises before us. For us to continue looking forward To the God that speaks in this place, each and every service, Father. It is also tonight, Father, that we want to place yet another vessel before you that you have chosen to bring the holy oracles of God today. Place the man aside and may you see you. May we see you high and lifted up in all your glory tonight. Speak through the man and hear through your people tonight because, Lord, it is God in the man. And it's going to be God in the people where we'll get to hear Theophany speaking to other Theophanies, oh God. We love you. Thank you for starting with us. We've been anticipating all day to be in the house of the Lord. May you just, oh God, come and meet with each and every one of us at our different various point of needs. But Lord Jesus, we are great. we are grateful, Lord, because above all, you're really all that we want. It is Jesus that we really all want to see. Thank you for starting with us. We're glad we didn't come to meet you here, but Lord, we came with you, Lord, trusting, Father, that you throw a crumble too for us, Lord, to be able to recognize God's power to transform our lives, Lord, to match yours tonight. Bless us now in the singing of songs. Bless us now in the preaching of the word. Bless us now in the listening in of the word too. And we shall be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. For indeed, you came to us when we could not come to you. May you come to us tonight once again. To the ministration of your word thank you lord jesus we love you tonight we bless your holy name in that matchless and wonderful name of our lord and savior jesus christ we pray amen,
0: amen. thank you brother ray you're welcome to have your seats i'm just going to invite brother Jean to come at this time Now let's sing, uh, yet not I, but through Christ in me, D, if we could. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer as our brother John comes now. What gift of grace
2: is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more. i yeah. yeah.
3: This is one of my favorite songs. With every breath. is complete one of these days the last Bible verse will be read the last prayer will be prayed the last confession will be made but when that race is complete still our lips the testimony doesn't change yet not I so Christ amen let's pray
0: Heavenly Father
3: it is indeed such a privilege to be in your house tonight Lord Father, with every breath, as we sang, we long to follow you. There's nothing in this world that we desire, Lord. Father, if you can search our hearts, as David would say in the scripture, search me, O Lord. If you can search my heart, Lord, you can see that there's only a desire for God. It's your word that we desire, Lord. We want to be conformed to your image. We want to be transformed in your likeness, Lord. And thus, we have come tonight to be fed by your word, Lord. And Lord, even as I was pondering this afternoon, the words that we read in the scriptures, Lord, they are older than time because these are your thoughts. When God dwelt by himself, these were his thoughts in his mind. Then he inspired men to speak the word. And these words were penned out and they became holy scriptures that we read. But Lord, these words are so intimately connected to your nature. For it is you in word form. So as you open our hearts now, we want to receive you, the word. Not an intellectual conception of the word. Not to accumulate our knowledge, Lord. Not to read words penned out on white pages, Lord. But to receive substance. To receive the Father himself in our hearts, Lord. We long to feel upon your word. You know our hearts. You know our desires. You know what we have need of, Lord. We are your children. Feed us. Take your word. Break the bread. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of our Lord and Savior, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to the Word. Let's open John chapter 8. Thank you, musician. Father Richard, it's good to see you. Sister Rob, Sister Joanne, and all all those that we're missing, we're praying for for you all. And we'll pray for those who couldn't make it tonight. We want the church to be strengthened. I was praying, Lord, give us a spiritual boost in our immune system. This is a lengthy uh, reading, so we'll probably read a few verses now as you sit, then we'll read the rest while you're sitting. Let's start uh, verse 12 to 18, John chapter 8. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest a record of thyself, that record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear a record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father sent, that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Now, this is, this is important here because they're telling him, you're bearing witness of yourself. How can your testimony be true? He's saying, even though I'm bearing witness of myself, my testimony is, is indeed true because I know where I come from. And not only that, but the Father also bears witness that what I'm saying is true. Therefore, there's a double witness fulfilling Scripture that every matter shall be established with the testimony of two or three witnesses. So it's not just Jesus bears witness of himself, but the Father also bears witness of him. And because there's a double witness, his witness is true. Verse 18 I'm one that bears witness of myself. Here it is. And the Father that sent me bears witness of me. Now let's jump to verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be of Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? I think there's something wrong with these Pharisees, because they're forgetting that they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Yet they're telling Jesus, We're Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. Really? Now, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, you can only make free somebody who is in bondage. So what he's saying saying here is that we are not a people that are free necessarily, but we're people that have been freed. That means we were once in bondage, Right? And then he says that if the son will make you free, then he says, you're free indeed. And he say they answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we are never in bondage with any man's houses that we shall be made free. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commit a sin is a servant sin. And well, let's go to verse 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Uh, verse 38 is already establishing in that We don't have the same father. Verse 39, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, he would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that I have told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. There it is again. We don't have the same father. Then say they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So first they claim Abraham is their father. Then Jesus says, no, 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 no. If if Abraham was your father, you would do the works of Abraham. But then he says, well, God is our father. He says, well, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? There it is. Verse 44, ye... Are of your father the devil, and the last of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a life, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God, heareth God's word. He therefore give them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and say, "Let's just finish this." Then answered the Jews and said unto him, "Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil?" Jesus answered, "I have not a devil, but I honour my Father, and ye do dishonour me. And I seek not mine own glory; there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily I say unto you, if a man keepeth my saying, he shall never see death." Then Jesus. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil, because Abraham is dead. And the prophets that thou sayest, and thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Are thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? who makest thou thyself? And let's just go ahead and skip to verse um, 58. And Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. You may be seated. What you're you're saying, let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. Let's just read the scriptures and then we'll refer back to them after. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. I'd like to approach the subject tonight that Brother Michael and I were speaking on a while back, and I was hoping that he would preach this, think he will do a much better job. But before I give you my title, I'd like to just go back to the to John chapter 8 here. If you want to keep that chapter open, we'll refer back to it. Uh, Many claims are being made. The Pharisees are making several claims here about, you know, being Abraham's seed. They say, we're Abraham's seed. We we were never in bondage to any man. We have one father but God. We we were not born in fornication. You know, and then Jesus also, he's making several claims here. He's saying that he's the light of the world, He's saying that he's the one who's going to set them free, that he's bearing witness of himself, but his witness is true because also the Father is bearing witness of him. And they say that he speaks what he has seen of the Father, but you speak what you've seen of your Father. He's saying we don't have the same Father. And then he goes ahead and disputes their claims that Abraham is their father. He says, No, Abraham is definitely not your father because the works that you were doing, that's not what Abraham did. Now they go ahead and say, Well, God is our father. He says, Not a chance. Because if God was your father, you would love me, the word. And you don't love the word because my words have no place in you. So not only Abraham is not your father, but I can tell you also, God is also not your father. So they go back and forth here and they decide discussing here, well, who is our father? He says, yeah, your father is the devil. Ultimately, that's the conclusion it comes to, is your father is the devil. And I, I like how the, the discourse here, the dialogue is very civil. You know, Jesus says something and they say something back to him. And they had a rebuttal for everything they said until they had nothing else to say. They resulted in saying, you have a devil. It was like, you have a demon. And that's just, that's just so funny to me that once they're, they were cornered and they were faced with the reality of the word, they had no other argument. They resulted to saying, like, you are a false prophet. You are a devil. They had so many arguments. They had scriptures. You know, we have the Abraham's lineage. We're Abraham's seed and back and forth. And then when they were cornered, they said, no, you know, you, you have a devil. And I found that you find that attitude in many people is that they have a scripture for every scripture, but one day they have no more scripture that says, oh, You're deceived. You know, you're a false prophet. Now, the Jews are correct in saying that they are Abraham's seed because Jesus doesn't contradict that. He says, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but he said that if you were Abraham's children, in other words, he's saying that your natural lineage is of Abraham. So the, the Pharisees, they trace. And claim their heritage from Abraham. And then uh, they claim that Abraham is their father. So we, we know that God appeared to Abraham and promised to make him a father of nations. And then God promised to give him a seed. And the natural seed or the natural lineage that came out of the promise was Isaac. Right? But we know that the true promised seed to, uh, of God to Abraham wasn't Isaac. Because Isaac was just a shadow. But the real Isaac was Jesus Christ himself. Because Isaac just typed Christ. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. So God was essentially promising to Abraham that he would be in the lineage of his own son, Christ. And Christ will will be his firstborn. Now, we found that when Jesus, the royal seed of Abraham, is born, we can trace him effectively coming out of Abraham. He's out of the tribe of Judah, out of the house of David, out of the house of Jesse, out of the house of Boaz, out of the house of Salmon. You can trace it all the way back to Abraham. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Jesus is a son of David. And if you actually go back in the Old Testament and see when, when God told David that his son, uh, which is Solomon, was going to rebuild the temple, he says, I will be to him a father and he will be my son. So the promise, the son that was promised to David is Solomon, but he's actually Christ. And the same thing, the son that was promised to Abraham is Isaac, but it's actually Christ. So he's both son of Abraham and, and son of David. Now I'm just tracing here back to, to go back to... to to exodus here for a purpose. Now, the Lord also promised Abraham in Genesis 15 that his seed will sojourn in a foreign land, right, for 400 years, and then they will, they will come out with great substance and they'll be slaves for 400 years, which the Pharisees here are saying that we, we are not slave. were not slaves, we're free, we're born free, we're never a slave to any man. Now, we found that Moses is born to fulfill the very promise of God to Abraham. And in Exodus chapter 3, a very familiar chapter, when Moses has a pillar of fire experience, he's commissioned to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham. He says, I've heard the cries of my people and I've come to deliver them, to fulfill what he promised Abraham because it had now been 400 years. So but when God appears to Moses, he introduces himself in verse 6 of Exodus 3. He says, I'm the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Now, he refers to Israel as his people, right? He's referring it to Abraham's seed. That's not in captivity, as his people. In verse 10, he says, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people. So the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse 15, he says, tell the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me. Uh, If you read the whole chapter, chapter 3 or chapter 4, there's a lot of mention here of God being the God of their fathers. He's saying, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And it says, and you are my people. This is my people, my people, my people. He constantly refers to Israel as his people, and he refers to himself being their God. So the relationship that God has here in the Old Testament with Israel is one of God and his people. Now Moses is sent to confront Pharaoh, according to the visitation of the Lord. And then we know that there is ten plagues. Plagues after plagues fall upon Egypt. And Pharaoh's heart is still hard and he doesn't let them go. Until Exodus chapter 12, when the final plague, which is the tenth plague, falls upon Egypt. Who knows what the tenth plague is? It's all the firstborn of Egypt are killed. Right? So now all the firstborn of Egypt are killed at midnight, scripture says. I I love that because it says that there was a great cry in Egypt at midnight. So there was a midnight cry in Egypt. There was a cry of agony. And this was the final straw that, that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And the cry was because all the sons of Egypt were killed. All the sons, all the firstborn of Egypt were killed. Now, if you turn a few pages to Exodus chapter 4, you find that God actually told Moses that this will happen. He says, in verse 21, he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I put in thy hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. There it is again, the people By verse 22, he says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Now, he's referred to Israel as being his people. And he referred to himself as being the God of their fathers. But here in verse 22, he tells something different to Moses here. He says, Now you go tell Pharaoh that Israel is more than just my people, it's not just that I am the God of their fathers. But because God doesn't have grandchildren. It's not that I'm the God of their forefathers. But Israel is actually my son. So Israel collectively as a nation is one son. It says, it's my firstborn. Now he says, and verse 23 says, And I say unto thee, let my son go. I love that. It's not just let my people go. Let my son go. That he may serve me. And it says, then, if thou refuse to let him go, not let them go, let him go, my son, I will slay thy son. Now we found what the origin of the the tenth plague is. The reason why God is striking all the firstborn of Egypt, because to God, it's not just about a people that's being mistreated. It's not just about a people that's in bondage. It's not just about a group of people. To God, this was personal. He's saying that this is my son that you've touched. See, it doesn't get more personal than this. When God is dealing with Egypt, he's dealing with him because it's personal. It's not just that God put, the Pharaoh put a people in bondage. But Pharaoh actually took God's son. Now God is dealing here with sonship. Israel is my son. You've touched my son. You've enslaved my son. And because you've done this to my son, If you don't let my son go, I will take your son. And all the firstborn of Egypt will die because you've touched my son. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't mess around when it comes to sonship. It's not just about a people. It's about his son. The moment the devil touched you, God got personal. Because it wasn't just a group of believers going to a church. It wasn't just a community of people believing in some scriptures. It was sonship. God said, because you've touched my son. Son for son. Firstborn for firstborn. You touch my son, I take your sons. The duel between God and Pharaoh can't get any more personal than this. You touch my son, I will start with your son. So therefore, God didn't hold back his wrath on all the firstborn on Egypt. Because Pharaoh didn't hold back on his firstborn. It says, you've mistreated my son. I'm not going to hold back my wrath on all the land of Egypt. And I will start with you, Pharaoh. And we know that when Moses went to see Pharaoh, and we know it's a very popular sentence, you know, let my people go, right? But I think it's more special when you say let my son go. It's personal. It's my son, not just my people. So God takes it personal when his sons are involved. And God deals with each one of us individually. Brother Bottom says in the message of oneness, he says God doesn't deal with us as a group. God deals with individuals. And we know that collectively, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. Like Israel, collectively, not as individuals, but collectively, they were his son. And so are we collectively the bride. But individually, we're sons and daughters. So the bread of Jesus Christ is made of sons and daughters. So in our everyday walk, God deals with us on the basis of sonship. That's the relationship he has with you. That's the relationship he has with me. It's a relationship of father and son, father and daughter collectively he deals with us as our husband because we are his bride. Now, it's, it's important that we realize our sonship. Right about him, says this in the message adoption. He says, now preaching usually catches the sinner, brings him under condemnation by the word. But teaching places the man positionally what he is. He says, and we can never rightly be able to have faith until positionally we know what we are. So faith comes from positionally knowing who you are. And that's what the greatest battle ever thought in is in the mind, because the moment the devil can get you to question your sonship, can get you to question who you are, you don't only have faith. Right on says so you're disarmed. And so perfect faith or faith comes from positionally knowing who we are. And then to know who you are, first of all, you have to have a mind change. There has to be a changing of your mind from slavery to sonship. If you think like a slave, you cannot know who you are positionally. But if in your mind you know that you're a son, then that gives you faith in your position. Yeah. Brother Adam says this in a message looking to the unseen. He says, when a man once catches the vision of the invisible God and knowing that he's always present. I love that. Knowing that he's always present. Though he's invisible, you know that he's always present. In other words, you're not, you're not relying on your sight to tell her that God is there. No, are you relying on your feelings to tell you that God is there? So somebody who relies on what they see and how they feel to judge whether or not God is with them is unstable. But once you catch a glimpse of the invisible God and you know that he's always present, there is something that stabilizes that man's thinking. And it stabilizes his action, right? So if you're stable in your thinking, that stabilizes your actions. And if you're stable in your thinking, then you know who you are positionally. And now if you know who you are positionally, then you have faith. So when the devil comes to battle us in the mind, he comes to destabilize us in our mind. Because if he can destabilize us in our mind, then he destabilizes our thinking, our actions. And there, before you know, we're no longer sure who we are. So when we know who we are positionally, that brings faith. So a lack of faith or a lack of understanding, a lack of, a lack of faith is a lack of revelation in who you are, in your position as believers. Now, sonship is not relationship. And let me explain what I mean by that. A child inherits the characteristics of his father, and that makes him the son because he's birth by his father. Now, the, in, in biology, there are genetic markers in the DNA profile of the child that must match the markers in the DNA profile of the father. And this is purely the result of genetics and biology. It has nothing to do with relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, a child can be raised by a man who is not his biological father. Right? And you can have an amazing relationship with that man. He can care for you, he can provide for you, he can have jurisdiction over you, he can be your legal guardian, but that doesn't make him your biological father. Because sonship has nothing to do with relationship. You can have a terrible relationship with your father, that doesn't change the fact that he's your father. Because biologically, he's your father. You've inherited some genes and characteristics from the father that makes you his son. So sonship is not about the quality of relationship. Sonship is a state of being. I want you to hold that in your mind. Sonship is a state of being. That doesn't change with a change of relationship. If I'm born a problem which I am, and I have a good relationship with my father, I'm still a no problem. If because of life and circumstances, we're no longer on speaking terms, it doesn't change the fact that he's my father. My sonship is not put in question... By the damages that our relationship have suffered because of circumstances. My sonship is a state. Because I am born a son, I'm always a son. The relationship that that a child builds with his father, if he's not a biological father, the relationship that he builds is not a substitute for genetic. It cannot replace it. It's like you cannot spend 15 years with a man and say that for 15 years he's been my father. And all of a sudden, the number of years you've accumulated having a relationship with him, all of a sudden that doesn't make him your biological father. That's wishful thinking. It doesn't work that way. That's magic. He cannot change his DNA in becoming your father no matter how good your relationship is. And you cannot lose your sonship no matter how bad your relationship is. So that brings some peace to a son, Amen. right? It stabilizes your thinking because you're no longer relying on the nature of your relationship to determine your sonship, right? Because you know that I am my, son, my father's son, no matter what. Whether we're in speaking terms, I'm his son. Whether I'm angry with him, I'm his son. Whether he's angry with me, I'm his son. Whether he's proud of me, I am his son. Whether he's disappointed in me, I'm still his son. Because my sonship doesn't change. My sonship doesn't change over time. My sonship is not affected by my actions. I can't lose sonship. My sonship will never be affected by my actions. There's never going to be a day when my father's going to say, because you stole this much money, from now on biologically i'm taking away all the dna that you've inherited from me can't do it relationship can be damaged but if we were to do a dna profile if we were to do a paternity test it's going to show with more than 99.99 percent this man is your father no matter how bad the relationship is, no matter how far away I am from my father, the DNA test will reveal that there is a match in DNA sequencing because this man is my father. And my relationship with my father doesn't change my sonship. Right. So establishing paternity is very important for several reasons. Because it can help you gain legal rights. For child custody. And also it's used for inheritance. So if you're going to have custody. Oh my goodness. Legal custody speaks of the right to make a decision about your child. Legal custody means that I as a father. As a parent I have the last to say. I get to decide what course of action my child will take. I get to decide what what I'm going to do in his life. I get to decide all this thing because I have legal custody and legal custody can only be obtained if you prove that you are the father so if a child like moses is raised into pharaoh's home being raised by pharaoh but pharaoh is not his dad there comes a point in time where he meets his own father and there comes a point in time where he meets god his father and god has custody not pharaoh god has custody you once were raised by a man who wasn't your father. Because you were born in sin. You were subject to sin. But one day, there was a paternity test. And that told you this man that raised you is not your father. But you are always a son of God. You were always a daughter of God. And the moment God proved that he was your father, he gained custody over you. He's your legal guardian. He's the one who has the final say about your life. No major decision in your life will be done unless God has to say so. The devil is not your father. The devil has zero custody. Because God has proven that he is your father. And he's done a paternity test. And He showed you that you are his son. And therefore he himself has legal custody over you. So I'm a son of God because I'm born a son of God. I'm a son of God because of genetics. It has nothing to do with my relationship with God. Because I was born in sin we're none of speaking terms. I did things that he was displeased with. I disappointed him. I let him down so many times. He was angry at me sometimes. I wanted nothing to do with him at times. But that never changed sonship. Because sonship is not a relationship, it's a state. It's because I inherited from God a seed gene. From before the foundation of the world, that makes me a son. No matter what. So I want you to relax, remove all your anxiety about losing your sonship. It's never going to happen. You're not a son of God today because you're doing great. And not a son of God tomorrow because you're doing bad. If you're a son, you always were a son. Your mistakes doesn't change your sonship. Your poor choices in life don't change your sonship. Your decisions don't change your sonship. Sonship is what God made you. When he put a seed gene in you before the foundation of the world. I want to stabilize your thinking. Don't think that your actions will affect your sonship. Be at peace. Be at ease. Tell that devil to shut up. I can never lose sonship. We found believers so anxious all the time in their salvation. And today they're son of God. Tomorrow they're not son of God. Today they're sure they're son. Tomorrow maybe I'm surpassing. No. Yeah. Yeah. Genetically, if we're to do a DNA profiling, you and God, you match. Yeah. So how can you lose that? Losing your sonship will be like me going to my son Julian and performing surgery to remove every single gene that is inherited from me. It's not even impossible. Then how can you lose sonship? How can God disown you? Stabilize your thinking. Have perfect faith. Because I want to put the honest back on God so that you can be at rest. God made you son. So don't worry so much about laboring to keep your sonship. Don't worry so much about laboring to make sure you don't lose it. How can you lose it? Don't let the devil condemn you so bad and beat you so down all the time that you don't even know who you are. Because you're looking at what you're doing. You're looking at how you're feeling. You're looking at your spiritual meter. How spiritual am I? How many tips I listen to? How many books I read? How many prayers I pray this week? I got to make sure I'm a son. Relax. You're a son. Relax. You say, Brother John, are you giving people license to sin? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm doing. I'm giving people license to be at rest. I'm giving you license to be at rest because sonship is not what you did. It's what the Father did. If you're going to lose it, wow, that's quite something. Now, as I said, sonship is purely genetic. It has nothing to do with relationship. So we always were sons of God. And a son inherits a gene, DNA, from his father. And that's exactly what they use when they do paternity tests, is that they, they take a sample of the child and the sample from the father, and they look at the, the genetic markers, they're like, yep, this matches, this man is the father of this child. Because there's something in the son that's in the father. That's actually what makes sonship, is that genetically there's something in you that was in your dad. So let's say that you're raised by another man who's not your biological father and you build an amazing relationship with him. The relationship though, that comes biologically, is greater, you know why? Because not only were you in your father, but you were in your father's father. You're in your father's 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 You belong to the same lineage for as long as time is. So you were always with him for a long, long time. You've known him way, 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 way long ago. There's no relationship that's greater than that. You were in God from before time began. You were always in his mind. You are always in His thinking. That relationship is greater than even just a relationship of communion. Because what makes you a son is because you are always in Him. That is greater than you being on speaking terms. What brings you on speaking terms is because you are always in Him. So when you go years without serving the Lord, or you go years without praying, that relationship, that's damaged. that doesn't even exist. God doesn't look at that. He's looking at the fact that He's known you from the beginning. He's known you because you were a part in Him. You were always in Him. So when you consider that I didn't know God, God always knew you. Always knew you. Now, Brad, I'm going to say this. Maybe we can start the slideshow. I'm going to read a few slides here. I want you to follow me. Is that okay? Some of these quotes are just so good that... We have to read them together. This is my title. The Paternity Test. Now, Brahman says, I, I have it here. Do you have it behind me? There you go. All right. Now we are a part of God. You always was. Amen. He says you don't remember it. Because you were only an attribute in God, you were only in his thinking. Your very name, if it ever was in the book of life, it was put there before the foundation of the world. He knew what you were. Amen. I'm only saying this not to mix up doctrine, I love this, but to straighten it out. That we might get away from this fear and scare. Why is Brother I'm telling you this? He wants to straighten you up. So you can, you can get away from this fear and this scare that the devil is putting on people that they're whether they are or not children of God. You are a son of God because you always were. And God sent a prophet to strengthen you up so that you can get away, be free, break loose from this fear. He says, you don't know who you are. You are not going to be, but now are the son of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Amen. You were always the sons of God. See? For when God had you in his thinking at the beginning, you had to be some part of you. Your life that's in you now had to be in God be- before there. Well, when he, before, before he even became material here on earth, before there was anything but God, you were one of his attributes. He know what your name will be. He know the color of your hair. He knew all about you. What does he describing in genetics? He knew the color of your hair, the color of your eyes, your height, your name, everything. He knew all of this about you. He says, many of you can fellowship with me on this thought. When you was a little boy or a little girl, you will walk around and there will be certain things that will just, you know, wouldn't bother the other kids. But it seemed like there was something in you that cried out. Oh my, remember we talked about there's a double witness? Here's your first witness. Because you are a seed of God, there was always something in you that told you that the life you were living wasn't the one that you were meant to live. Even if you're religious, you went from church to church, you knew there has to be something more to this than what I'm hearing in church. That is your first witness. That's your first smoke. That's the first witness that was saying that there is something about you that's different. But you need another witness. this testimony to be true you need a second witness and the second witness is god sending the spirit of his son for the spirit itself begins to bear witness that we are the child of god whereby we cry abba father when you have those two witnesses combined your testimony is true you can say i'm a child of god i'm a child of god i'm a child of god that's only one witness But the moment you receive the Holy Ghost, it's the Father himself giving you a second witness. And now you have your witness. Plus, the spirit of the Father bearing witness. Upon those two witnesses, your testimony is true. I am a child of God. Why? Because my witness is true. I bear witness of myself, but the Father also bears witness of me. Until you have the Holy Ghost, your testimony is not true. You can say that you're a son of God. How do we know? Anybody can make the claim. But when the father comes and quickens the seed gene of God in you, he gives you a second witness. Now your testimony is established. Because it's no longer just wishful thinking. It's no longer just mere declarations. It's the father himself declaring also, indeed, you are my son. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But it says there was something in you that cried out. There was some God somewhere. Yet you were a sinner. You remember? Certainly. Now, what was that? That was a little form of life in you. And then after a while, you heard the gospel. Maybe you went to church. You picked out this and that and went from denomination to denomination. But one day, you being a part of God, you had to be part of the word. And when you you heard the word, you know where you come from. Once you heard the light of the word come by your way, all of a sudden, you realize where you came from. Because you realize I was always a son. And if I was always a son, then I was always in God. Then I'm older than time. Therefore, you're eternal. Braybottom says that if you're eternal now, you always were. Eternal means there's no beginning. If you have eternal life, when did you get eternal life? The night you got saved? No, sir. The night somebody gave you a message book? No, sir. The night you understood Brother William was the prophet? No, sir. The night you got the revelation of serpent seed? No, sir. If you have eternal life, you always were eternal. You know that was the truth. You always were. The seed was in you always. And when did you lose that seed? You tell me when. Now, I love this. The Word, oh my God, the Word seen the Word. The Word saw the Word that was in you before the foundation of the world. And the Word saw you come to it. In other words, there was a gene that was in God. A DNA that was in God. And when God birthed you, He placed a seed in you. And that seed was part of God. And because God is a Word, the city place in you was the word. And when the word came to the word, you realized that you were always the word? I'm going to read a quote later on where it says, the spirit came seeking after the word. You think that God was hunting over your flesh or hunting for your, for your flesh? God was hunting. The spirit of God was hunting for the word that was in you. Because the nature of the spirit is to energize the word. Is to seal, correct? The nature of the seed of the Spirit of God is to energize the Word. The Spirit quickens the Word. How can you be quickened unless you are the Word? So when the Spirit of God comes after you, what is God wanting to do? He's wanting to energize the Word seed that's in you. Now back to John chapter 8. The Pharisees, they had a little bit of light. There was good people, lived a good Christian life, good religious, had a little light about them. They had a little light. But down in the bottom of their heart, they had no eternal representation in glory. So when they seen that supernatural down, they say, this man is Beelzebub, right? He's a devil. Essentially, let's go back to this. Essentially, what... If we're to go back to John chapter 8, I'm going to summarize this. What Jesus is telling the Pharisees, I'm going to put this in language that you can understand. In the language of the message. Not in the language of King James, but in the language of Malachi 4. Essentially, what Jesus was telling the Pharisees, he's saying, I know that you can trace your natural lineage back to Abraham, whom you claim is your father. But before Abraham was manifested in the flesh, I was the Logos. And Abraham was a thought in my mind. And because there was a part of me in Abraham, when I came in Genesis 18, he recognized it was me. And he received the light of his day. He saw my day and rejoiced. But you, though naturally you are Jews, when I look into your soul, I see no seed gene. And because you have no representation in glory, there's nothing in you that can be quickened by the words that I speak. Therefore, you are of your father, the devil, because he had absolutely no part in me. John chapter 8 resumed. This is your summary. This is exactly what he's telling the disciples. Yes. Abraham is your father naturally. I can see from your natural lineage, you came out of the house of this, out of this, out of that, out of David, out of this, all the way to Abraham. I can see that naturally. Yes. But Abraham, before he was, that man that you claim to be your father. Do you not know that Abraham was a thought in my mind? Do you not know that when I came in the flesh, Abraham saw my day? And he rejoiced? But when I look at you, yes. Naturally, you're Jews, but in you, in your soul, I don't see anything that can be quickened by the words that I speak. Therefore, you could say, my words have no place in you. How can his word be lost into their soul when in them there's no representation? So the Jews are claiming, Abraham is our father. God is our father. Jesus says, calm down. Let's take a paternity test. Let's do a paternity test. Let me take a sample of what's in you. And let me take a sample of what was in God. And when I see what was in Abraham, it's not in you. When I see what was in God, it's not in you. Therefore, based on this paternity test, Abraham is not your father. Not only that, but God is also not your father. But hold on. Let's do another test. Let's take a sample of what's in your soul. And let's look at the devil. Oh, he was a murderer. You want to murder me. He was a liar. You are a liar. Oh, you do the works of your father because I see a match. He is your father, but do not claim that Abraham is your father and don't claim that God is your father. That's what he's saying. But there was a little ill-famed woman, a prostitute. Down in her heart, she had no representation. She had a representation of one of God's thoughts. There she was, weighted in sin, still a daughter. But when she seen that happen, she said, Sir, I believe you're a prophet. I know when the Messiah cometh, he will tell us these things. What did he do? It cleansed her life. He was a redeemer to her because he could lift her up where she had come from. When Jesus spoke to that woman at the well, he picked her soul up and he lifted her up in heavenly places where she always was. And when she found herself in that atmosphere. She recognized, wait a minute, I was here before. When the sons of God were shining for joy, I recognized this atmosphere in my soul. You must be a prophet. Because there was a representation. If you never knew what it was like to be in the presence of God then, you will never know what it's like here. You were a part of Him then. Therefore, the presence of God that permeates your soul feels familiar. It's like the crowd that mama eagle, it just feels familiar raised with chickens every single day eating chicken food but when the mama eagle comes even though that chicken had ne- that ego had never heard a for ego before there's just something that sounded familiar you were searching for god once going from church to church you heard this doctrine you heard that doctrine you had a little bit of an experience you cried a little bit you had a little bit of emotions but all of a sudden Amen. one day Amen. you heard it, a voice Amen. that you had never heard before and it sounded familiar. Amen. The reason why it sounded familiar. Amen. Because you know what that voice Amen. is. Because you were once in him. Amen. Amen. By these Pharisees. Think of it. Religious as it could be. Jesus said you are of your father the devil. And his works you will do. Religious man. They belong to fine high orders. And Jesus called them snakes in the grass and devils. Why? They rejected the light of the hour. That's exactly what it was. How do you prove that you're a son of God? How was God, Jesus, be able, how was Jesus able to determine that they were not God's children? Because they rejected the light of the hour. But Abraham says, in other words, there was nothing in them that could be quickened. The rejection of the light is because when the light of God comes, as I mentioned earlier on, it's the Spirit of God looking for the word to energize. If there's no word, there's nothing to energize and there's nothing to speak back. Therefore, you reject it. But if you see, it, like this little lady here, this woman here, there was a representation in glory... When the light flashed against that predestinated seed, it flashed back and said, Sir, you are a prophet. That's why people hear what you hear and they can't say amen to the word of God in these last days. It's not for them. But down inside of me, when I hear the word, my heart says, And I don't know why. And I don't know how. I can't explain it. Then get ready to sing that song. But when I hear the word, We'll come back to the slide. I have two more questions to read. Now, how do we know? What is the paternity test? If God is the Father and God is the Word, then the paternity test is the Word test. When Jesus came to the woman of the well, as He was speaking to her, and He was contacting her spirit, He went into her soul. And he saw that there was a DNA sample in her that was in God. He knew when the father sent him there that this was a daughter of Jacob. So God sent his son. God sent the son of God to a daughter of God to tell her we have the same father. God sent his son to his daughter to tell his daughter we have the same father. Now the word test, says... How are you going to know what's right and wrong? Give it the word test. That's the way to tell whether it's right or wrong. Just give it the word test. See what it says about the word. Any spirit, see what it says about the word. If it denies the word, it's not of God. No matter what it is, if it denies the word, it's not of God. Look, give it the word test and see what happens. I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God. Sure, let's give you the word test. And see what you say about the word of God for your day. Any spirit that denies the word is not begotten of God. Because how can the word deny himself? Because it's the word in you that acknowledges the word that you're, that you're receiving. Now, I'm not talking about a temporary denial. Some of you, it took a few times before you accepted the message like, yeah, oh, I don't see this thing. Oh, this thing is weird to me. The serpent sin, you deny, you deny, you deny. You push it back, you push it back, you push it back. It's not a permanent denial. Because that, that light had not flashed against that seed. But one, you find yourself in the atmosphere of the word. And then God began to witness to you, I am your father. You accepted the word. This is different. But I'm not talking about temporary fighting it. These people, these Pharisees rejected. Always. They never came to a place to accept it. Cain never accepted it. It wasn't a temporary thing. And when he went away, he said, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Let me go back and find God. And he says, God, yeah, you know, I'll do as my brother. Never. Never came back. Judas, committed community suicide, never came back. Brother says, now with thousands of sand workers in this last day, is created a generation of sand seekers. That knows no more nothing about the true will of God and his word in these last days. As I've said, give them blood and oil and fleshy demonstration on the platform. And they'll support it, whether it's God's word or not. Whether it's scripture or not. Jesus has warned us of such things at the end time. As I've said in Matthew 24, two spirits very close alike deceive the very elect it was possible. Now he says, how can you tell? Give them the word test. How can you know it? Speak the word. See what they say about it. If they don't believe the word, they have no seed germ in them. They are of the evil one and deceive you. God never placed his sons ahead of his word. They were added for proof of the word. But the word is first. To prove it, Elijah said to the woman, bake me a cake first. Then watch the miracle happen. Come to the word first and watch the miracle happen. The seed word itself is what the Holy Spirit Energizes. The Holy Spirit comes to energize the seed word that's in you. Another quote. Just to establish this and we're going to move on. It says, the real gift is in your soul. Down in there. See? That was born of God. And that controls the whole thing to the word of God and the will of God. And there you grow up. And then you're a son and a daughter of God. You're a child of God. And these things, as you come up like the mother... You were, in the, you were in the bowels of the earth trying to come forth. You're a son of God coming forth. And you see the word says, I should do this. I should be born again. Well, you say, I belong to your church. That doesn't mean one thing. I'm Methodist. That is, that's good for your mother. Well, my, I'm Pentecostal. I belong to that. If you don't line up with the word, there's something wrong. See? Then you see, your real father ain't God. If you don't line up with the word, your real father... In God. So that's the reason why God came to you. To make sure he revealed himself to you as your father. And when God made himself known to you as your father, what did you do? You land up with the word. The new birth is nothing else but God revealing himself to you as your father. You're not even sure of God being your father until you're born again. Now I'm going to move on to this. Galatians 6. I have about 15 minutes left. Let's read this to a close room. Galatians 6, verse 6 to 7. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, the, the, the verse starts with because. The reason why. Because you are a son. You did not become son because God sent the spirit of his son on you. Uh-uh. You didn't become a son because you received the Holy Ghost. No, sir. Because you always were a son of God. Because you always were a daughter of God. Therefore, you are a candidate to the new birth. Uh, People get so anxious about the Holy Ghost. I don't have the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. Do I have the Holy Ghost? Do I not have the Holy Ghost? I'm not sure. I'm looking for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not your business. It's God's business. Because you're a son. The Holy Ghost is God claiming you as His own Son. It was never about the Son looking for God and saying, oh Father, 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 I want to know my Father. No. It was always the Father saying, I want my Son to know me. The responsibility to give you the Holy Ghost is God the Father. And because you are a seed, you will get the Holy Ghost. Because you are a seed, He will Put a painful desire in your soul for the Holy Ghost. And you say, Brother John, is, is the desire the only thing? Didn't the rich young ruler had a desire for eternal life? You're right. The rich young ruler had a desire for eternal life. Correct? Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know the laws of Moses. Honor your father. Do this, do that. I have observed these commandments from my youth. Jesus loved them. Scripture says. But Jesus, there's one thing that you're lacking. Now he's t- giving him the word test. You want to prove to me that you're a candidate to the new birth? You want to receive eternal life? Okay, let's do a paternity test here. I'm going to tell you what the word says, and I'm going to see if it flashes back in you. And it says, go ahead and sell all that you have, and follow me. Now, what happened to that desire? He went away sad, for he had many possessions. If he were truly a son of God, even if he went away sad, he will pray. And he will cry. There will be something in the depths of his soul. Saying, Father, I desire to line up with your word. But I can't do it on my own. You've asked me to sell all my possession. I can't do it on my own. There's just so much in me. That loves the things of the world. But I pray. I want to line up with your word. Give me the strength. Give me the power. Help me line up with your word. Help me surrender, oh God. And there the, there the Bible says, For it is God working in you both to will and to do many people can will but only the predestinated seed will find power to do if you're elect of god and you have a desire for god because you have a desire for god god sends his spirit to give you power to do i cannot line up with the word because it's hard you need power to do i cannot for i cannot I abandon all these worldly things. Though I have a desire for God, you need power to do. I cannot give up my worldly girlfriend and boyfriend. You need power to do. I can never forgive this brother and sister. All you need is power to do. But because you have predestinated seed, God will give you power to do. For it's God that does it. It's not about your efforts. As I said in the beginning, when the race is complete, Soon my lips shall repeat, yet not I. It's never about you. It's never about what I did. I received the Holy Ghost. I'm a child of God because I faithfully sought God. I was diligent. I made the right choices. It's not about you. It's not about you. God will not share His glory with you. Because if by your works you have claim on the Holy Ghost on the basis of your own merit, never. It's the Father who creates a desire in you. And then the same father only looks in you because your predestinated seed and your name was in the book. Not only do you have a desire, he also gives you something that others will never get. Power to do it. And the light came to his own and they did not receive it. But as many as received it, to them gave he power to become. Many desire. Not many have power. The proof that you are elect is that your desire is always going to be greater than all the attractions of the world. Always. And because your name was in the Lamb's book of life, the Spirit of God comes to you and energizes you to give you power to line up with the Word. You say, I can never do it. You will do it. Because you have to line up with the Word. You say, the requirements are too hard. I can never confess that sin. You will do it. Because God will give you power. As much as you elect, He will make sure that the Spirit of God quickens that Word in you. If there's any in here tonight, that's the prophet God praying. If there's any here tonight, Lord, that's holding in our hearts that grain, that gene of God that's ordained to life from the foundation of the world, I know, Lord, that they are bound to hear it at this hour. You are bound to hear it. For you parents who have children that are not serving the Lord, God is not going to fill them with the Holy Ghost on the basis that they are your children. Amen. <laughs> God is going to fill them with the Holy Ghost on the basis they are His children. Amen. We get caught up as relative preach on the filial trap. We get caught up in our filial love. My children, my children, my children, and I believe we have to pray for our children. Yes, sir, we have to. We believe that there's a promise because we believe we will be saved. But God doesn't have grandchildren. God will quicken them on the very basis they are His seed. I, I, I was telling this to Brother one and we were, were fellowshipping. We were witnessing to some people after weeks and weeks and weeks that they're just not seeing it. And he was, he was getting so frustrated. He's like, they're not sincere. How are they not seeing this? They're not sincere. I said, calm down. I say, as, as much as you want them to see it. And I say, and I do want them to see it. I said, if they're God's seed, he wants them to see it more than you and I. So if God is patient, we can be patient. Sometimes we get caught up in our failure, We think that we're more desperate than God. You think that you want your children saved save more than God? Think twice. Because God cannot be complete without them. If they are ever a part of Him, then God is not complete until they come. So when God is going to deal with them, it's not because they are your children. He's going to say, I know you pray for them, but calm down. Before I give them to you, they are mine. They are my children. That's the reason why I'm going to hunt for them. Because they are mine. Don't worry about it. I can see in their soul. There's a seed in there. There's a DNA match. They are mine. That's my firstborn. Don't worry about it. I will deal with the devils of this world. Like I dealt with Egypt. Because this is my firstborn. These are my sons. What am I doing? I'm stabilizing your thinking, Paris. Stabilizing your thinking. Relax. If you're a son of God... Or a daughter of God, you were in God all the time. But he knew what bed and time that you would be planted. So now you made a creature, a son of God, manifest a son or daughter of God to make the challenge of this hour. To vindicate the truth and the living God of this hour, the message that's coming forth in this time. If it wasn't that way, no matter how much you try to impersonate it, you will never make it. So what is he doing here? He's taking the power off of you. Say it's not your doing. You can never impersonate this. You can try and try. You can't impersonate this. The only way you can make it is that you're a part of God. So then, did you have a say in being a part of God? No. You happen to be a part of God like Brother Michael spoke last Wednesday. That Before the universe was created, God said, I choose you. That's what made you a part of God. That's why guarantees that you receive the message of day. That's why guarantees that you will receive the Holy Ghost. Not your works, not your determination, not your doing. The Father. Yeah. Yeah. But Brother says, if you have the least desire in your heart to receive God, to receive the Holy Spirit, getting the right atmosphere, getting the right mode before God, and life will come into it just as sure. Because the desire. That God placed in you, He gives you power to fulfill it. He puts that hunger in you because you're a seed. If God begins to put a hunger in a human heart, there's nothing going to stand in its way. So I'm going to ask you how many hunger for God? How many have a desire for God? How many long to serve Him more than anything else? I'm not asking how many make mistakes. I'm not asking how many have the Holy Ghost. I'm not asking how many do well, how many are doing bad. I'm asking how many love Him. How many have a deep desire for Him? How many say, Lord, I want you more than anything. Yes, I fail every day. Yes, I make mistakes. Perhaps I'm not even serving you. Perhaps I don't even have the Holy Ghost, but I desire you so badly. Nothing will get in the way of that if you are seed. Let's read one more quote, and we're going to close. Two more quotes. But if God said, in this day, back in the beginning, John Doe will be my servant, million of years ago. Now, John Doe is born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies, because he's a mortal. But maybe he gets a little religious feeling He'll go and join a church. Maybe he'll join a Pentecostal church. I don't know. He might join anything. But let him get under the atmosphere of God wants. See? John Doe is bound to recognize who his father is. Just as that ego recognizes who the mother was, it's got to realize, you see, only that John Doe is God's attribute that's become a word. Spoken, and then the Holy Spirit seeks that word out. Can I go back and read this again? And this time I'm not gonna say John Doe, I'm gonna put somebody's name. Who wants their name in this? (laughs) Brother Brother Gilbert. But if God say in this day, back in the beginning, Gilbert is my servant, millions of years ago. Now Gilbert is born in sin. He's shaped iniquity. He came to the world speaking lies because he's a model. But maybe he gets a little religious feeling. Maybe he'll join a church. Maybe a Pentecostal church. I don't know. He might join anything. But let Gilbert get under that atmosphere of God who wants. Gilbert is bound to recognize who his father is. Who wants to name him there? (laughs) Brother George. George is bound to recognize who his father is. Margaret. You are bound to recognize who your father is. Jonas, you are bound to recognize who your father is. Clemens, you're a Catholic. You join a Pentecostal church. You get a little religious feeling. But because you are always a part of God, Clemens, you are bound to recognize who your father is. What happened then now when you came to my house and we're fellowshipping? You know what? God came to you and said, Clemens, let me take a sample of the gene that's in you. And I'm going to see if there's a match. And he knew there was a match. But then he brought the revelation to you. And he sent the lab specialist, Brother Branham, to read the result of the paternity test. Clemens, on the paternity test requested on this day, we found that God is the Father. God is the Father. And because you are always a seed, the Spirit of God came to do what? As he said, he said, to seek out that word. Because Clemens, you're an attribute and you became a word spoken. And then the Holy Spirit has to energize the word. So the Holy Spirit was seeking, where is the word? Where is the word that I need to quicken? Oh, it's in Clemens. Let me quicken that word in her. Then when you were quickened, you say, Abba Father. Because then the Spirit of God Himself bears witness that you are a child of God. Now then, here we are coming to a conclusion, so am I. As the eternal logos was manifested in the Son, and Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that eternal one was the Father manifesting the flesh, and thereby gained the title of Son, even so we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn became the many members, spoken word seed, manifest in the flesh. And those eternal thoughts... Oh my goodness. Those eternal thoughts now manifest in the flesh. All the sons of God. You are a son of God because you were always an eternal thought. What is he doing in this, in, this, in this paragraph here? He's saying what happened to Jesus is exactly what happened to you. Because Jesus was an attribute. He was a thought. And he was spoken. And he came in the flesh. And he became... He took the title of son of God. You... Were an attribute, you're in the flesh, and then you came in the flesh, and then you were manifested, and you are a son of God because we are called. says, even as we are so called. Now, hear this. We did not become, let's read this. We did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed, and therefore we we're reborn. Oh my. Stabilize your thinking. Are you stable? Are you stable? You did not become seed when you received the Holy Ghost. You were seed and therefore you are reborn. For only the elect can be reborn. If you're looking for the Holy Ghost, tell God, Lord, I'm a seed. I was in you. I have a witness in me that there's something different about me that cannot be satisfied with the things of this world. My dip is going for another dip. And because I'm a seed... Send from the Spirit of God to bear witness to my spirit that I'm a child of God. Brethren, says, get into an atmosphere and watch life comes. God is bound to give you the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you're a seed. Not because you cried. Not because you screamed. Not because you prayed all night. Not because you woke up your seed and said, I mean business. You received the Holy Ghost because you're a seed. And because we were a seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed, there is nothing to quicken. Can I have five more minutes? I'm going to close with this story here. He continues here first. He continues here and says, hold this carefully in mind. I love that. Hold this carefully in your mind. Every day when you walk, hold this in your mind. When a devil comes to tell you you're not a seed, hold this in your mind. You need to stabilize your thinking. He said, you're eternal, your eternal thought, and you came in the flesh. He said, then you heard the voice, right? So you heard the voice of the word. What did the word of the hour do? The word of the hour read to you the result of your paternity test. And then God took a sample of the seed gene of God in you, and he tested it against himself, and there was a 100% match. But he already knew that. God knew you were always the same, but you didn't know that. So he sent forth the prophet of the day with the message of the hour. Because the infallible proof of sonship is that you are quickened by the light of your day. Amen. Amen. A son of God can go a long time before he recognizes that he is a son. That's what Brother Bernard says. He says, in fact, a lot of true Christians are like the story of the baby eagle that was hatched out under a hand. You know that the eagle is the type of the true believer. Well, a farmer took an egg from an eagle's nest and he placed it under a hand. In due time, all the eggs under the hand hatched out. The baby chicks got along fine with the mother, but that little eagle could not figure out the clucking and the scratching for food in the manure pile. He managed to make a living, but he was pretty confused about it all. When we were in the world, we were confused. We managed to make a living, but we were very confused. We seemed like we had some fun at some parties. We're maybe satisfied by some religion here and there, but we were confused. We just couldn't get along. There's something in us, in the depths of our soul, that was just different. You're like, oh, something isn't just quite right. Can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but there's something in me that's quite not satisfied. But to others, it's like, oh, this is the best thing ever. To you, you're like, oh, yeah, it is the best thing ever. But deep inside, you're like, is it really though? You knew. You faked it. You managed to make a living. You managed to have some fun. You managed to deceive some of your friends. You were just like them. But truly, you were never like them. But one day, from way up in the air, the mother eagle that had laid the egg spied that little little eagle on the ground. He said, she swooped down with tremendous speed. I love this. And screamed at the top of her voice. God didn't come and whisper in this last day. God screamed from the top of His voice. And the Lord Himself shall descend with a shout. There was a shout. God cried loud at midnight. There was a midnight shout. God was screaming, come up high, you are not a chicken. And when He shouted with the live voice, seven thunders out of the voices. Seven thunders thundered so hard, so loud to catch your attention. God wasn't whispering, "Where are you? Where are you?" He thundered it out. Yeah. He screamed from the top of his lungs. Another priest brother says that when the news came in heaven that Adam was lost, God came down running in the Garden of Eden, screaming, yeah. "Adam, where are you?" Screaming. Yeah. And you think that we are more desperate than God is for His children? He says, when he heard that first scream, something in him stirred. And he longed to launch out toward it. You see, he always was an eagle. He acted like a chicken for a little while, but he could not be satisfied. But when he heard the call of the great eagle, he came to his own place. And once a true son of God hears the cry of the Spirit by the word. It's not emotions. It's not manifestations. It's not gifts and healing. It's not the demonstration of power. It's the voice of the word. When you heard the voice of the word through the message of your day, you heard the shout. You heard the midnight cry. You heard those seven thunder thunder out to quicken you into who you really are. And when you heard that great eagle, you came, to his, you came to your own place. See, you will realize who you are and run to the great prophet eagle and be with him forever, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were held captive by the devil, but we were sons nonetheless. Again, your sonship is not determined by your relationship. You may be, maybe you were captive by the devil, but Jesus said, If the Son make you free, you're free indeed. In other words, the one who's born free and the one who's made free, the one who's made free is more free than the one who's born free. You say, How can it be? Well, if I'm born free. My freedom is really not freedom because I never know what bondage is. Right? But if the Son makes you free, that means you were once in bondage. You know what it's like to be bondage to sin. You know what it's like to be a slave to sin. And because you are a slave to sin, you live like a slave. Once sin said go left, you went left. On the devil said go right, you went right. But we were always sons. Always sons. See, Brother Mano says that we were always sons, we were held captive by the devil. You are held captive by the devil. But when the Son of God comes to make you free, the freedom you experience, you are free indeed. Because you know what it's like to have shackles when you're trying to worship. And when the Spirit of God breaks those shackles, you know what it's like to be free and wave your hands. You know what it's like to not be able to walk with God because you're a You're trying to take two steps to fall. Today you're good. You don't want bad. You feel good. You feel bad. When, when the Spirit of the Son came by your way and broke those bondage off your feet, you are free indeed. You cannot walk with Him. It's not about being born free. It's about being made free by the Son. What is this glorious liberty? And Paul speaks about it in, in Romans. Glorious liberty. It's the more glorious liberty than the one who says, like the Pharisees, we're never a slave to men. Really? But you were a slave to sin therefore when the son makes you free you're free indeed are you really free are you really free you're free indeed you're more freer than you ever been if you never knew what bondage was like thank god for breaking the shackles of my hands thank god once i was a slave to sin i didn't know what liberty was but he sent the spirit of his son by my way to take the shackles of my feet and now i know what it's like to be free now, once you're free, you became a son of God because you realized you always were. Don't go back to having the mind of a slave. This is the problem. Right? people can never mature in the walk with God, where they're always getting an experience, walking five days, and restarting again from scratch. The problem is, once God came by your way, He revealed to you that you're a son. Then you let some demon come speak to your mind and tell you you're still a slave. Not inside you are quickened to who you really are, but because your thinking is no longer stable, your actions are no longer stable. How long am I saved? As long as I believe that I'm saved. How long am I healed? As long as I believe that I'm healed. Some of you receive your healing, but you let some demon tell you that you're still sick. What happens? Your body manifests what you think. Even though you're healed. And I know you're, you're going back to being a slave. Oh, I love Brother Barnum. He talks about this in the church's book. He says, do no longer go back to being enslaved again. Once the shackles have been broken, as Brother Ryan sings, how can you be bound by broken chains? You can't. Physically, the chains are broken. You can't be bound by them again. The only way the devil can bind you again is in your thinking. The chains are broken, but enslaving your mind. Therefore, you walk thinking you're still a slave acting as though you were still a slave. Because the devil is lying to your mind. This is the reason why I'm preaching this word tonight. To stabilize your thinking and to drive the fear away. So that you will deny the lies of the devil. Like your thinking will be stable. Then your walk with God can flourish. Because you're no longer looking to yourself. You're looking to what God did for you. Because he's the one who makes your son. If you're born a child of God, you walk and accept everything God says is right. You walk right in the light. And that's the ultimate proof that you're a son. Because when the word of God comes by your way, there's something in your soul that embraces it. There's something in your soul that desires it. There's something in your soul that embraces it, that cries for it. Though you may have the desire and no power, but like I say, he gives you power to will and to do. Because you're a seed. God will make sure that he himself is complete. His word will never return to him void. Never, because you are a thought, you were express, you were a word, you will never return void. You have to return. You have to be quickened. The word has to come by your way. The spirit has to come and energize the seed, gene word that's in you, and then you go back to God. Like Jesus says, "I come from God. I go back to God." What comes out must always go back, because you were a part of God. You have to. You have to go back. Like we read the quote: Gilbert is bound to recognize his father." There's no other way. There's no escaping it. Now, there isn't any amount of demons that's going to stop that. Nothing. Like Brother Michael spoke, I saw a lot when he spoke about Legion, the man that we call Legion. 10,000 demons or whatever, there's nothing that was going to stop him. Nothing. I'm telling the devil tonight, this is for the devil. Satan, there's nothing you can do that's going to stop a seed of God from going back to God. You may take a chain one time, two times around him, three times, 10,000 times, a million times. You may take him and put it in the grave and put a stone around the grave and put Roman soldiers all around him and take an entire army around the grave to make sure he stays dead. When the voice of the resurrection comes by his way and when the letter of the message comes by his way, as we heard on Sunday, there's something in you that's going to say, yes. Yes, yes Father. I'm your I'm your father, yes. You're my son, yes. Line up with my word, yes. Come up a little higher, yes. What gives you the power to say yes? Because you see it. There ain't no stopping it. Satan, there ain't no stopping it. Parents, it's time you tell the devil. I'm not looking at how long they've been in sin. I'm not looking at how long they've been gone in the world. Maybe you have not even sat in church for 10 years. For all I care, they cannot come to church for a hundred years. Nothing's going to stop them. If it's going to take a hundred years to bring them, God is going to make sure they live up to a hundred years. There's nothing that's going to stop a seed gene from coming back to God. Nothing. It's a public challenge to the devil. Nothing. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Our sonship can never be questioned. By our works, or by our feelings, by our mistakes, sonship is a state. Of having a seed gene of God. Whoever has a seed gene is a son. And because you have a seed gene, you're reborn. Because you have a seed gene, you accept the word. Because you have a seed gene, you love the word. Because you have a seed gene, you line up with the word. Now put put it back to God. He puts the word back in your lap. Accept the word and put it back in his lap. Say, I accept the challenge of your word. I accept your word tonight. Let's stand. I accept your word tonight. I believe in what your word said, and I want to line up with your word. I love the word. I want to be the word. There's something in me that cries out to be the word. Father, I'm your son. Now bear witness. Bear witness that I'm your son. That's the father's responsibility to bear witness. He has to be the one to come and say, hey, you are my child, and I am your father. Because that's the only time where you can now gain custody. And he can begin to lead you. For as many are led by the Spirit... They are the sons. How can he lead you without revealing himself to you as your father? Right. Right. Amen. Sorry, I'm a little bit long. <laughs> Musicians, please come. I don't know what to sing, but I was thinking, Dan, you want to sing this? <laughs> I think we can just sing the chorus. We know the chorus. Well, now we can all sing it together. I don't know how. And I don't know why. I cannot explain the love of God for my soul. See, it's His love. It's not my doing. It's not my works. It's His love. Down inside of me, when I hear the word, I say amen. It may be hard in my mind. My soul says amen. I may struggle to comply and to line up with, the, with it. And don't try. Don't confirm, as we heard. Don't confirm. If you're trying to confirm, you're trying to be a son without reading the Spirit, bearing witness to your son. Let the Spirit bear witness that you're yourself. God will bear witness your testimony becomes true when you have two witnesses God will bear witness by giving you the Holy Ghost that you are a son of God it is it's in his best interest to give you the Holy Ghost it is in the interest to give you the Holy Ghost and it's in your interest to receive it so you say Lord I believe your word bear witness Send forth the spirit of adoption that I may cry, Abba Father, that I may say, You are my father. And when we pray and you say, Our Father, who are in heaven, it has a whole different meaning than reciting the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord likes you, the spirit of sonship in you. Having recognized by a paternity test who your father is, you cannot go to him and say, My Father. Oh my goodness, what a relationship that is! My Father. We are His children. Not we collectively. Individually. You individually are sons and daughters of God. Sometimes we get so caught up in the group mindset. God our Father. God my. My Father. How can I say my Father? Because there is a witness. And then the Spirit itself also bears witness. Brethren, can you you help me sing? You're the virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. Because you're a son, you always were a son. Because you were a daughter, you always were a daughter. Because you were a seed, therefore you're reborn. Only the elect can be reborn. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. You're not son today and the son of the devil tomorrow. You are always a son. On Monday, you're a son. On Tuesday, you're a son. In the good times, you're a son. In the bad times, you're a son. On the mountain top, you're a son. In the lowest valley, you're a son. In depression, you're a son. In slavery, you're a son. And when he sends the spirit of his son by your way, you cry, Abba, Father. Because there's a witness. Why be in the name of the Lord? Are you really free? I trust you're free. I trust the word of God drove the devil out of your mind. I trust that all the fear and all the scare that the devil tries to put on you has been challenged by the word. And your thinking has been stabilized. Hallelujah. Amen. David, can I call you to close in a word of prayer? Yes, sir. You're always a son, David. In Australia, you're always a son. Wherever you are, you're always a son. And I'm a son, therefore, your brothers.
4: gracious Lord, we are in awe of your presence, Lord. Father, we many times would sit in our devotions, we would read, we would think, Lord, we would put ourselves, Lord, when you're speaking to the Pharisees, and we'll come to a service like this, Lord, and you would speak exactly what's upon our hearts. But not only speaking what's upon our hearts, Lord, you would show us, Lord, and indeed place us, establishing us, Lord, of what we ought to be. We want to thank you, Lord, for the presence of God. We want to thank you, Lord, for taking responsibility, Father, that it's not about us, but we are to reflect your presence. We are to reflect your kingdom. We are to reflect, Lord, as stewards of your kingdom. Father, the responsibility that you've placed in our individual lives, as families, Father, as a church, Lord, as your children. But as we've heard tonight, Lord, not as a group, but Father, as a son, as a daughter. Lord, to know, Lord, that you care for us, that you watch over us, Lord. Father, you lead us. And in that leadership, Father, you testify that we are your children. We want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We want to thank you, O God. That, Father, you have sent your word and you've healed your people. We want to thank you, Lord, that you, Father, before the foundation of the world, have expressed, Lord, your thoughts. And, Lord, it is our deepest desire, Lord, not only to seek it out, but, Father, to be led by you. Wanna thank you, Lord Jesus, for the ministry. Wanna thank you for your people. We wanna thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word, Lord, has laid the path for our feet to walk in. So we give you all the glory tonight, Father. We wanna thank you with our lips, Lord. Even as the word is declared, we wanna raise our hands, Father. We wanna give you all of the worship. For you are a good God, Lord. And indeed, Father, we are privileged, Lord, to be called your son, to be called your daughters, Lord. So we take, Father, no glory in this for you. Would not share your glory with anyone. But we want to thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. Bless the congregation now. Fathers, we would go. Lead us safely. And Lord, may we walk continually, Lord, as sons. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 Amen.
3: God bless you. Maybe Ben, you can play. I have a father. He knows my name and before even time began my life was in you all this